1 Timothy chapter number 6, we find once again, Paul is, is uh, writing a letter. This is his first letter to Timothy. Paul is, Paul is uh, instructing Timothy. It's, it's not quite sure where Paul wrote this letter from. Some believe it might be Philippi. Others, uh, Laodicea may, may be the place where Paul wrote this from. Many believe that as well. But nonetheless, it's where Paul is, is now. He's left Timothy at a place called Ephesus. How many of you know the book of Ephesians? Uh, if you're in our Bible study, if you're in the men's Bible study, they're going through the book of Ephesians. If you're in the ladies' Bible study, they're also going through the book of Ephesians, the armor of God. And so here we find Paul has instructed Timothy. He's, he's trained Timothy. Timothy has, has, has witnessed Paul do ministry, and he then leaves him at a place called Ephesus to stay and pastor. Timothy here at Ephesus, Paul writes this letter to him to instruct him how to, how to pastor this, this group of people, how to give them spiritual food how to be an example. He tells Timothy how a pastor should behave and the qualifications for a pastor and elder. He tells Timothy uh, qualifications of a deacon and sets up church leadership so that, that the church can function. He challenges Timothy to, to preach the gospel. And for several weeks now, we have seen and, and read where Paul is challenging and helping Timothy. And by helping Timothy, he's helping the church. We come to chapter number six of 1st Timothy. And I want to uh, I want to go right into verse number 7 here of this chapter. The Bible says this, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown many in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses." I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter number three, if you would please. Revelation chapter three. We're going to take a quick look here at a church of Laodicea. Paul is writing from this place to Timothy, who is at Ephesus. We could find out what God desired for the church of Ephesus by going, and many of you are studying through a Bible study, this church at Ephesus. You, you find what Paul is instructing them and helping them to do. He, this is a book, he says, to put on the full armor of God so that you can withstand Satan. It's a challenging book. It's, a, it's an encouraging book. He's at a place, and he's writing to Timothy from this place. I want you to uh, look with me in Revelation chapter 3, and let's look at verse number 14. None of the angels of the church of Laodiceans write these things, saith Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. 
This is a place where Paul is writing from. And we find here in Revelation, uh, 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 the Lord talking to this church. And he's saying to this church, you, you think you have everything. He says, you have nothing. This is those famous verses where he says, I, I wish you were cold or hot. You're just lukewarm. You're just kind of going through the motions. Have you ever just gone through the motions? I won't ask you to raise your hand. But answer that in your heart. Have you ever just gone through the motions as a Christian? I mean, you're just, just uh, surviving. If there's a need, you're not looking to the Lord to meet that need. Uh, uh, you're trying to figure out. Do you, ever, do you ever have a need in your life and you try to figure it out on your own? How many of you have seen on TV this, the publisher's clearinghouse? It was $5,000 a week for life. Anybody see that? How many of you for more than a minute thought what I could do with $5,000 a week for life? Well, I'll let you know now. It's up to $7,000 a week for life. So what could you do with another $2,000 a week? You know, we look at what we could do if this happened or that happened or if we got this or we got that. How much better could life be? Here, here we find a church, the Laodiceans, they are at a place where the Bible says you're lukewarm. You're not on fire for God. You're depending on your own riches. You're depending on your own strength. You're depending on your own talent. And God would rather have you depend on him and his strength. And so Paul is writing from this church. He's writing to Timothy here. Let's go back to chapter number six of 1 Timothy. And he's writing to Timothy and he gets right into this for verse number seven, for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And Paul is challenging Timothy here to trust God. God is not desiring that any Christian is a lukewarm Christian just going through the motions. You know, it's easy to do. It's easy to come into church and the songs are sung. We just kind of go through the motions. Have you ever sung a song and you've said every word and you have no idea what you're saying? You're just repeating words because you know the songs. You just go through the Christian life and, and just, just, uh, uh, just lukewarm. Here, Paul is going to challenge Timothy with these verses here. He says, I want you to realize something. Number one, realize that one day riches are going to be gone. You're not going to take them with you. He's trying to get Timothy to help the people there to be sure that Timothy is solid in this area, but also to help the people in this church as well to understand that riches one day are going to be gone. You can't take. I've told you many times that as we move, it just seems like we just move boxes that we haven't even opened from the last place. We have a, we have a, we have a uh, uh, attic at the top of our garage. You know what we put up there? Everything we know we're not going to use. You would think the better place would be to put it at the curb so the trash men could take it. But we've got this attic full of stuff that we know we don't use, but we need. We need it. Just in case. Anybody have that? Boxes like that? You have to retape the boxes, not because you've opened them, but the tape is so old it just starts to come off the box. You've got to retape that box again. We have a lot of those. 
We'll go through some things and, oh, don't get rid of that. That was what the babies came home in. Or this. We've got a crib that every single one of our kids have slept in. So we kept the crib. The bolts are stripped. The crib won't go back together. We wouldn't put another kid in the crib because it would fall apart. My wife says, you've got to keep that crib. I said, why are we keeping the crib? We're not having another baby. And she says, well, grandbabies. And that crib won't hold any more babies. But we can't get rid of that crib. We can't open a door now because the crib is sitting in front of the door. But we can't get rid of that crib. You know what the ironic thing is? None of this we can take. Isn't it amazing the things that we hold on to so dear? That are so important. That have no eternal value. And sometimes, if we're not careful, those things keep us from doing with our resources and our time and our effort and our energy what God desires for us to do that would have eternal value. We hold on to things, and that's where Paul is getting into this passage of Scripture with Timothy to help the people understand there are going, there are going to be some things that you've got to understand. They may be important. They may have some value here on this earth, but you can't take them with you. I want to remind you of the book of Job. How many of you remember Job? Job had riches. Job had everything that he could imagine. You know what Satan said? Let me take those things from him and then see if he still worships you, God. Satan thought that Job loved God because God gave Job stuff. What he learned was this, that that Job loved God because of who God was, not because of stuff. If God chose to take everything from you, would you still love God? Or do you love God because of the things that he gives? And and we find here that Paul is challenging Timothy to realize that one day riches are all going to be gone. Don't put your faith, don't put your strength, don't put everything in your riches because one day you could wake up and all of your riches be gone or one day you're going to pass on from this world and nothing you have you can take with you. So where's your joy? Where's your joy as a Christian? He goes on to say this in verse number eight, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. He's challenging, number one, to realize one day riches are going to be gone. And then immediately he gets us to the place where he challenges the believer to be content with what you have. Now, it's probably human nature to always want more. I'll confess my sins here this morning to you if i go to a place that has a shirt or something on sale and there's five or six different colors of that same shirt you know what i want every single color of that shirt anybody else do that just me a few of you i mean they're on sale and so you might as well get every now i have the same shirt in different colors but i never wear I have more than I need. You know, if you go into my closet, the reality is this, I still have more in my closet than I'll ever need or ever wear. But I just had to have it. There's so much that we have. And isn't it amazing that we have so much and we still want more? Enough is never enough. Here, here, Paul is saying to Timothy to be content with what you have. 
It's so easy for us as human beings to look and see what other people have. It's so easy to look and see what other churches have. It's so easy to look and see what our neighbors have or, 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 or our relatives or family have and start to want and desire what somebody else has. And Paul is, is challenging Timothy with this fact to be content with what you have. Understand that what you have is what God has given you and just be content. Be happy with what God has given you. As humans, we always want more. We always want something more. We're never, never content with just what we have because more would mean better. But I challenge you, look in the world and look at those that, that seek power. They have to have power and all the power they get, the more power they want, the more power they get, the, the more miserable they are. I think there's so many that, that have so much in, in the Hollywood scene and, and that just keep getting more and more and more and more and more and they're never happy and they're never content. If a person is discontented in their heart, it doesn't matter how much you have, you're always going to want more. Doesn't matter if you would win that $7,000 a week for life. You know what you would want? More. So how do you know that? Because you get a paycheck every week and you know what you want? More. We have houses that God has blessed us with. And you know what we want? More. We have a vehicle that God has blessed us with. You know what we want? We want more. I hope my wife is listening. We have one dog, and you know what she wanted? More. More. What do we want more for? You know, in every person, this is something that every single person, man, woman, child, teenager, something that Paul is challenging Timothy to search their heart. What gives you joy? What brings you peace? Knowing that God will supply all of your needs, knowing this, that what God has blessed you with is what God feels you need and we ought to be thankful and, and grateful for what he has or do we always look at life and say, if I just had more? You know what we find here? We just need to be content with what we have. Content. Thankful. A feeling of being blessed. I want to continue reading on here. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 9, Paul says to Timothy, but they that, that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into, every, um, into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse number 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Now, don't misunderstand this scripture. It's not saying that if someone has money, they're automatically going to make wrong choices. Paul is looking at the heart. What are you desiring? What are you living for? You know, there are many Christians. Now, Paul is speaking to Timothy, and Timothy is pastoring this church at Ephesus. And so Timothy, Paul is trying to help the Timothy pastor the believers so that the believers would have a right relationship with the Lord, so that the believers could be uh, pleasing the Lord, so that their desire would be for God to be glorified in their lives and not, not to go after things of this world. 
We're studying on Wednesday evenings the, the, the book of 1 Peter, and we find their sorrows, and we find that, that Christians will endure sorrows, but we're to depend upon the Lord and His strength, and not, not our own resources, our own riches. And, and Paul here is telling Timothy the same thing, to monitor what you're willing to do to get money. Our life as a Christian should not be spent being how much we can get. When God has blessed you, He's blessed you so that you can give. There are some wonderful Christians that God has blessed with riches, and He's blessed them so they could give. And we're going to see that in just a few moments here. He's not saying here that money is wrong, that if you have, if you have money, then, then, then you know, you're going to have evil thoughts, and, and uh, that if you, if you have money, you're going to fall into temptation and snares. What he's, what, he's, what he's saying is this, be careful that you aren't consumed with getting. Be careful that you're not consumed with how much you're, not to live in this world where your goal is how rich you can get. The goal is how much you can, how much uh, uh, possessions you can have. Your goal ought not be how many material things I can have because if you're consumed with that, you're never content with what God's given you. And if that is our goal, then our goal is not going to be what God has placed us here to do. You know, every single person in this room, God has saved you if you've, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and he saved you to do something for him, is to tell others about Jesus Christ. To live your life in such a way where others see an example of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You are now an ambassador for heaven, and you're living your life telling other people who Jesus is and what he can do for them, and, then, and thinking about eternal things, not fleshly things material things. And so Paul is at the place with Timothy. He's given Timothy so much instruction. He's given Timothy so much help, and he comes to the place of money. You know, if there is something that I think has hurt the church in the New Testament church, it's, it's money. I counseled a fellow not here previously when I pastored, he was in his 20s. He was in his 20s. He was in the military. I knew what his rank was, and you can go online and you can find out when somebody's in the military what their rank is. You can find out exactly what, you're, what they're making. It's out there for the public to see. He sat with me and he says, I'm really struggling in my marriage. And I said, uh, tell me about it. He says, it's just finances. And begin to talk through some things. And I said, let's meet together and let's go over your finances and bring all this stuff together. And you and your wife and I will sit down, we'll put a budget together and we'll try to work this out because this was just destroying his marriage. A couple weeks later, we sat down together and he brought everything together and I looked at his finances and this family was $50,000 in credit card debt. I said, are you tithing? He said, I can't afford to tithe. And he's spiraling out of control. They're living in a small apartment. I said to them, I said, where is this? Where's this stuff? And they both raised their hands and said, I have no idea. If we sold everything we had, we couldn't pay off our debt. We don't have anything. 
And that had caused such destruction in their marriage. It became the excuse why they couldn't serve the Lord. It became such a, uh, an issue in every area of their life because they needed more. They needed more. They needed more. They got to a place where they couldn't even survive. You know, I think the devil many a times will put that thing that entices us in front of us. We just have to have. And we're willing to go into debt to get it. We're willing to spend everything to get it. We're willing to do whatever we can because I just have to have this. And when we finally get this, we realize that never felt, uh, never filled a, a void. And that doesn't fill the hole. And so now that we have this, I've just got to have this. And if we're not careful as a Christian, we can live our life just having to have something more, something more, something more. Till we wake up one day and we find out that everything we thought we needed hasn't made us happy. Everything we thought we needed in life doesn't give us joy. Boy, all it's done is left a, a line of debt and a line of, of sorrows. Because we thought we needed it. And what we thought we needed has now got us in a place where it's got a chokehold on us. You know what the reality is this? There should never be a missionary that's wanting to get to the field to tell people the gospel never should take a missionary months and years to get to the field. But I'm afraid this, that sometimes God's people are so strapped with finances because of bad choices that they're not able to do the work of God and send people like God desires for people to go because finances are too tight because we're not living for the kingdom, we're living for today. And Paul is trying to help Timothy in this area of finances. He's trying to help Timothy understand that, yes, God will bless with money, but we're not supposed to live our life to where we're getting to con being consumed with money. We're not to live our lives so that, that it's, it's how much we can have. But we're living our life in such a way with whatever God has given us, we're a good steward of what he has given us, and we're using what he has given us to further the kingdom of heaven, not to further my lust or my desires of my flesh. We need to monitor, monitor what we're willing to do to get more money. You know, there are some people that are willing to cheat. There's people that are willing to, to cut corners. There's people that are willing to, to do unethical things in order to obtain things. You know, I want to challenge you today. Paul is not talking to the lost world. He's talking to the church. The most honest people ought to be Christians. We ought to work hard at our jobs to, 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 uh, to, to earn that paycheck. We ought to be honest on uh, uh, taxes. You know, how many of you are doing your taxes right now? Huh? Is that a bad word? We shouldn't say that, huh? Well, don't worry. President Trump is going to help you next year. <laughs> yeah, we don't like to pay taxes. But you know, Jesus did say that Render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. 
You know, here he's trying to get us to the place where it's in our heart, that our heart has a, a, is right before the Lord, that our mind is right before the Lord, that we realize this, I want to be careful what I'm willing to do to get money because money shouldn't consume me. Money shouldn't drive me. Money shouldn't be what I'm after in life. If there's any blessings, I'm using those blessings to give back to God and to serve others so that God is seen in my life, not possessions and things. I want you to write this down, if you would, please, next. Look with me in verse number 11. The Bible says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, God, uh, uh, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. We need to be sure that two things happen here. Number one is this. We love people more than money, and we love God's work more than money. If God has blessed you, he has blessed you to give. You know, the most wonderful thing you can do is use the resources God has blessed you with to be a blessing to somebody else that truly has a need. I had uh, someone just a few weeks ago came up to me and gave me an envelope, a blank envelope, and it was either a lot of money or just blank pieces of paper, but it was a thick envelope. And they said, I want you to give this to so-and-so. I don't want, uh, want them to know where it came from. So I pulled that person aside and said, I, there's a person in the church that wanted me to give you something and, and uh, went to a private place. And I said, this is an envelope that somebody wants you to have. They're praying for you and they know you have a need and, and uh, just wanted you to have this envelope. And they opened up that envelope and looked inside of that envelope and there they saw just a bunch of dollar bills, more than dollar bills. <laughs> and immediately that person just began to weep. person went home and told his family that God used somebody else to be a blessing to their family. Do you know who got glory in that? God did. Because someone was willing to be a blessing to somebody Need, it had a need. Several weeks ago, my wife was just having a bad week. Just having a, just a horrible week. She was discouraged. And someone knew that and wanted to be a blessing to my wife. And they texted me and said, do you mind if I do something nice for your wife? And I said, I'd love for you to do something nice for my wife. A couple days later, there was a box on her front door and opened that door and brought that box in and, and I knew what it was and my wife thought I bought her a, a gift and I said to her, it wasn't me that bought you a gift, somebody else bought you the gift and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you who bought it, but somebody else bought you this, this gift and, and in, this, in this box was something she desired. I don't even remember what it's called. Instapot or something like that. Electric pressure cooker. Our whole family's benefited from that. Yeah. She opened that box and tears came to her eyes. Because somebody was willing to be a blessing with what God has blessed them with to encourage someone else. You see, God blesses you with resources and we are to love people more than money. The Bible still says it's more blessed to what? 
give than to receive. You know, the money isn't the, a bad thing. It's your heart and how you want to use it. You know, God has blessed us with finances, and maybe he's blessed others with more, but you know, it does, that doesn't matter. What God desires is that you use those finances to bring honor and glory to him. Do you know one way that you have to start in order to be a blessing to God? Give God what is due to him. I think so many Christians, they think they have to have this resource or this money. They get themselves into a place that, that is just a horrible place for them to be in. If they're not careful, they continue to spiral out of control because they leave God out of it. Listen to me, and I just want to be kind and help you as your pastor this morning. Robbing God of what is hid is, is never going to help you financially. And I'm not saying that because the church needs your money. I'm saying that for your benefit to help you. Robbing God never helps you. Never helps you. So many Christians get themselves into a place that they get to where they say, I can't give God what is His. That'll hurt you in every area of your life. My wife and I were just talking last week and parenting and marriage and finances. They're probably the three things that in church we need most help with. You wonder, why are you putting so much resource and so much time and so much energy? Every week you're saying something about a marriage conference. You know why? Because we need help. We need help. Finances are ruining marriages and hurting churches, and, and, and we need help. Why do we have a parenting conference back in December? Because we need help. These are areas that I believe that we ought to put emphasis on so that we get help in these areas. Here, we need to realize this, and Paul is teaching us that we are to love people more than money. And we are to love God's work more than money. You know, God does own everything. God does have the resources he can supply, but you know what he does? He uses his people to help others. God blesses his people to be a blessing to someone else. And we need to make sure that we're at a place, church, where we are loving others and loving people and loving God's work more than we are loving the material things of this world. Because when you invest in the work of God, if you invest your resources and your time and your talents in the work of God, what you're investing is in something that's going to last for all of eternity. If you're investing and in living for things of this world, what you're investing is, is something you can't take with you. Something that'll consume you. Something that you'll guard and something that you'll protect. Something that you'll make more important than people in the work of God. And we need to be cautious of that. Lastly, I want you to write this down if you would please. Look with me in verse number 18. Let's look in verse number 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all the things to enjoy. What he's saying there is just simply this. Charge people that have wealth, that have things. Charge them. Don't depend on those things. 
Well, I'm just like you. You look at a retirement, and right now that stock market just keeps going up, and you know what? You're looking at your retirement, and it looks like you've got a lot of money in that retirement. Well, don't put your joy there, because guess what? What goes up must come down. So you're excited. Look at it now. Guess what? There's no guarantee in that. But I can guarantee you this, the God that said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The God that said, if my children will come to me, I'll, I'll give them the, what their needs are. Well, God that said, just come and pray and, and seek. And you're going to find that God that said, I'm going to supply all your needs according to riches and glory. That same God will never fail you. The stock market doesn't dictate if God can bless you or not. The economy of this country doesn't dictate God's wealth. God, is, God has all resources. God has all power. God has all strength. And the things of this world don't dictate if God can help or not. God can help you and God will help you. The one thing that you can be sure of is God is always faithful. What he's saying in verse number 17 is put your faith in that. Put your faith in what's eternal. Put your faith in what can never go away. In verse number 18, he says this, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. He said, I want you to charge those that have riches in this world. Charge those that have blessings. Charge them to do what? To freely share what they have with others. Seek to be a blessing to somebody today. Seek to give. He's challenging Timothy to challenge the church to have a heart for others. And to have a heart for God. If you're here today and there are resources God has blessed you with, you know what I find that God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to someone. Seek to be a blessing to someone today. The greatest joy a Christian can have is when they can bless someone else. Bless someone today. God has blessed you so that you could be a part of His work. I love hearing missionary stories. How many of you love to hear when missionaries come and they just tell you what God's doing and boy, the blessings on the field. Christian, if anything, we need more today. We need more that are willing to go and represent the kingdom of God. You know, it's discouraging. A lot of missionaries aren't getting to the field because it's taking so long to get their resources, they're giving up. They're coming off the field. I know this. The people of God have the resources to do the work of God. We just need to make sure our priorities are right so the work of God gets done. God uses His people to do His work. Here, Timothy is being challenged by Paul in this area of finances. Don't love the things of this world. Don't seek to get something you can't keep. Don't gain. Only now you are spending your life trying to protect and keep something that you can't take with you. But give. 
if every Christian committed to have a heart to give, we'd make a difference in this world. If you looked at your resources that God has blessed you with, that they're His, and I want to be a good steward of what He has blessed us with, there'd never be a need. And if you gave to God what God has blessed you with and has commanded to give them back to Him, the church would never go without a need. But if we're not careful, we can live life to where money begins to consume us. But we need to realize one day riches are going to be gone. We need to be content with what God has given us. We need to monitor what willing, we're willing to do to get money. We need to love people, love God's work more than we love money. And we need to freely share what God has blessed us with for others. Does that describe your life today as a Christian? Or are there areas in your life that you need to say, God, I need to be more surrendered. I need to trust you greater. I'm putting my faith in something that could be gone tomorrow. I want my faith to be in you. I'm holding, thinking I need something that you've given me so that I could bless someone else with. I don't know where you are today, but would you examine your heart? Would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to work? If he's challenged you in this area, would you submit to him? And say, God... I'll surrender. I'll allow the Holy Spirit to work.